What's up, guys? This is Patrick Madmore coming to you live from sunny California. It's a warm and happy 65 degrees here in San Francisco today. Although, to be honest, it feels a little bit like 90 since I'm outdoors here at the Creamery on 4th and King wearing a black T-shirt while doing this interview. So not the smartest thing in the world, but, hey, we'll go with it. Anyway, as you know, uh, at Madmore Stories, I'm all about stories, marketing, tech, and more stories. So my goal here, as, as, as always, is really to use this podcast to bring you the best and most relevant, high-quality, inspirational, and far-out stories related to marketing, startups, and tech, led by great founders and marketers alike. Today's guest is a long-term friend, mentor, former boss, and all-around awesome marketer. I first met Hernando Ruiz Jimenez back in Brazil in 1996 when he was a marketing manager running flavored soft drinks for Pepsi Cola in Brazil. At the time, I was a very junior, scrappy marketing assistant trying to figure out, you know, my head for my ass in marketing, uh, and uh, Hernando and I worked together for a number of years there. I can still remember launching Guarana and all the crazy race club promos that we ran together, and uh, I'll bet uh, Hernando has some fond memories of some of those promotions as well, including the famous one that we did with uh, squeezer bottles. Uh, that was uh, Those were some, some really good and interesting times. Since then, uh, Hernando's gone from one success to another, going from Pepsi to Diageo as VP of Marketing, where he reinvigorated the Captain Morgan and Parrot Bay brands. Subsequently, he went into more of a startup mode, where he was executive vice president and partner at Wireless Media Corp, and was responsible for 8xing, hear that, 8xing, the company's revenues in digital media like music and games. He eventually branched out his career into healthcare, where he was CMO at S Insurance, and recently, about eight months ago, became the chief parking officer at New York's Presbyterian Hospital. Hernando is originally from Madrid, Spain, which is, by the way, one of my all-time favorite party cities in the world, and has worked all over Latin America and the U.S. He holds an MBA from Stanford, though as a INSEAD guy, I'm definitely not going to hold that against him. And anyway, without further ado, I want to welcome Hernando to the show, and I want to thank you so much for being today on Madmark Stories. Fernando, you there? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay, Hi, just Patrick. checking. How you doing? <laughs> just checking, just checking. Cool. Well, listen, just to start us off. I was um, really like about the description you made about me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I do that on a retainer basis on occasion for, for startup CMOs and CEOs, so we'll have to have another conversation about that one. But uh, just to get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and I think, you know, the, 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 uh, the listeners would love to know a little bit more about how you got into marketing, a little bit about your current role. Yeah. So um, how I got into marketing, actually, it was interesting. I was... Um, as you mentioned, I, I started my career, I actually studied in the United States. Um, and um, when I finished uh, my career, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was doing business. I had loved my marketing classes, but I was also doing very well in finance. And uh, my dad, having been an entrepreneur himself, he wanted me to have the most um, um, sustainable and, uh, you know, more, you know the, the, the job that had the least risk. So he thought that banking would be it. So I interviewed pretty much in New York with every single Spanish bank that you could think of. Uh, and actually, they were asking me, why, why, why do you come and talk to us? And by chance, I got into a plane and I got into an interview with uh, with Leo Burnett Advertising in Chicago. Um, I had no idea what advertising was, so on the way to the airport, um, 
I bought a, a magazine called Advertising Age, which most of you know, uh, <laughs> and I read it from, you know, cover to cover. Uh, and that was my introduction into advertising. Uh, I walked through the doors of Leonard in Chicago and said to myself, this is the place where I want to work. And, you know, many years later, that's what I'm doing. Uh, wow. As you said, you know, most of my career at Pepsi, where we had a great time doing a lot of great marketing, and you and I had the opportunity to work together. Diallo uh, did my entrepreneurial bit. Uh, that got me into digital, which was great. Um, did a little stand on media. And, you know, I got into healthcare also a bit by accident. Um, uh, and actually fell in love with the space. It's, it's a space that is very interesting uh, because um, marketing is not at the center what they have traditionally done. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so for what we're trying, to, uh, what what actually I'm tasked at doing here at New York Presbyterian, it's it's trying to bring um, the consumer and marketing a bit more to the forefront of what we do uh, and become a more consumer-centric type of organization. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's that's fascinating, and you know that's it's interesting that you say that because sometimes here in the valley, you know, there is a there is a tendency for for marketing to be a little bit kind of not front and center because the focus is so much on technology uh, and on product, right? And, and marketing sometimes tends to be a little bit of an afterthought. Sure, and that's something I think that companies need to work on. It's an understanding what marketing is all about, and and, yeah. and, and it's not just about doing advertising. Uh, it's about understanding those consumers, engaging them, uh, and really, uh, you know, providing, um, you know, uh, your brand promise and living up to it. I mean, when you, when you look at, you know, when you look back at marketing and, you know, you've obviously been in marketing for a long time, you know, like me, a lot has changed. What do you think has really changed over the last three or four years uh, in marketing? And, and, and what does that mean for marketers? Uh, I think that, you know, you're right. A lot has changed. Um, uh, it, it, and, and it's funny that we talked three or four years, like a long, a long, a long time. <laughs> ages ago. But, yeah, but, uh, exactly. <laughs> ages ago, but uh, but it, it's the pace of change is, is big. The other thing, what I find very interesting is that change happens very fast, but not necessarily the, the adoption by companies. Right. And those of us who are in the midst of the change assume that everybody's seeing it and doing it. And it's not really happening. So if you ask me the big things that I've seen happening that affect mostly our job in marketing, it's the rise of programmatic. Right. Um, you know, and, and it's becoming bigger and bigger. And it's not that it wasn't there three, four years ago, but it was it was not that sophisticated. You know, we're right. we're actually going the route of having machines turn into machines um, right. with what we do. So I think that was something very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Something else, you know, a couple of other things I, I think is the, um, is the the reverse of experiential marketing, especially for millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very surprised how Instagram has changed behavior so much uh, that actually uh, just uh, last weekend ago I was in a I walked into a pop-up experience that was all about taking your pictures and posting them on Instagram. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, we used to do a lot of experiential, but it's it, it's a new type of experiential, and, and and it's coming back, which I found very interesting. And the other thing I think is also that we are starting to understand boomers better, and you know, with boomers, marketing to you know, it, it used to be you just marketed to young people. I think the other big change is we're starting, you know, and might have to do also with my role now. It's marketing yeah. to to boomers. I think it's yeah. one of the big changes that I'm seeing. 
Mar- marketing to old people like us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we buy stuff too, right? We, we buy stuff too. <laughs> I mean, when you look back, right, and, and you look back over now 20 plus years of career, and, and obviously you, you know, you've had an incredibly varied career. You've done a lot of interesting things across a number of different industries. You know, what have been some of your biggest learnings when, when it comes to marketing? You know, what, were, were there, you know, were there any major kind of things that have surprised you over the course of your career? Uh, I think that the good thing about marketing is that you learn every day. Um, yeah. Because you're, you're, marketing is about people. And marketing is about understanding, you know, what people's motivations are, you know, and right. what are their, you know, it's, it's, it's a traditional way of looking at their needs and, you know, their wants and needs. Uh, I learned, you know, something that helped me a lot is it's also about their fears and their desires. Yeah. You know, what are you afraid of and what do you really, really want? And right. if you understand those things, and those things, you know, some of them are universal and some of them change. So uh, for me, that was, that's, that's one of the, you know, what, that's one of the things that, you know, remain constant right. with all the, the changes. Um, yeah, the focus on the user, right? Yeah, the focus on understanding who that user is and what is, why, what, what is the motivation behind of what they do. Um, mm-hmm. Something very interesting, you know, when I look back at, at, you know, the work that we did for Captain Morgan, and we took it to be the number three uh, alcoholic beverages brand in, in, in the U.S., um, mm-hmm. it was a lot about going deeper and asking, you know, it was, you know, so why do you go and drink? Oh, because, you know, I want to have fun. So why do you want to have fun? No, because, uh, you know, I just want to, uh, you know, be with friends. So why do you want to be with friends? Well, because I want to meet girls. So why do you want to meet girls? Well, because I want to hook up. <laughs> So what do you want to hook up? You know, but you, you could you could just yeah, stop sure. at the beginning and you could just have a campaign saying, you know, let's have fun. Actually, what we found out is that the core insight was about storytelling. I want right. the guy who won is the guy who had the best the best story to tell the following night. Right, right, right. That's fascinating. So that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. So I think it's just like going deep into those insights once you understand them. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's when you can actually see magic happen. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Let's, let's, um, you know, let's dive into that a little bit, right? Because I think you touched on something that's really interesting and it is something that's, I think, really underappreciated, particularly in tech companies. And, you know, tell me a little bit of, more about this, this aspect of storytelling as a way of, you know, potentially engaging with consumers, you know, potentially as a way of touching emotion. Um, What's what's been kind of like? Can you talk about maybe a successful campaign that you've run, or you know, product that you've launched where you know really some of the focus was on creating that kind of a story to reach users? We did um, hmm. we did a campaign, a very interesting campaign with Medicare. Um, actually, I, this is an interesting story because actually this was in Puerto Rico. Right. Uh, but we were targeting the Medicare population, which is 65 years plus, mm-hmm. uh, and we were trying to go to the inside. So how do we connect to them? Yes, not by saying, hey, we know you, we understand you. How do we create you know, uh, a story with them? So what we created uh, was all the, if you think about it, all the American Gold Talents type of programs, they're focused on talent and youth. Yeah. Uh, and kind of being old. It's kind of like you know they it, they either make fun of it or it becomes like the oh the 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 one time wonder like the exception yeah. yeah so what we said is what if we create 
the talent competition for older people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do we allow them not only that, because the other insight with them is they like, they're storytellers, they're natural storytellers. They've worked a lot, they've seen a lot. So how do we use this as an excuse for also them to tell their talents? And, uh, and we created this program. We, we partnered with the, with the major local TV station uh, on the island. Um, and funny enough, Hurricane Maria came in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and where I'm going with this is that it forces the beauty of storytelling is that we were able to change our story. It was not right. a set fact that we wanted to say. And that's the problem that many people, especially in technology, they're too set on one thing. Right. And if that thing doesn't work, you're kind of uh, sorry about it, but you're kind of screwed. You know, you, you yeah. know, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're telling a story, there's different ways to tell the story, and the story can take different paths. Mm-hmm. So we were able to change it. And actually, uh, they just finished that program, um, and it was a highly successful program. You know, actually engaged the island, it gave people hope. It became something mm-hmm. actually bigger than it was supposed to be, because it became about the island recovering from something that was a tragedy right right and how what was the impact on 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 your brand what was the impact on was was there impact in in terms of some of those you know core metrics that marketers track you know whether it's you know i don't know sales or top of mind awareness or brand recall Uh, all the measures that have to do with the brand you know brand equity you know like brand for me brand that i prefer all all Mm -hmm. of that went up especially with the with the target uh, and sales metrics for the period were really good. Um, okay. you know, considering what had happened, that's the other thing is putting in the context of, of of your macro environment, no? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I think the, the the intangible here is it gave the company um, a credibility moving forward to talk about other things. So you know mm-hmm. it, it allowed it to 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 create a. A conversation and, and and to and to build on a on a, on, a, on, a, on a relationship of trust. Did you see that conversation, for example, manifest itself in social media? I mean, did you have, for example, consumers engaging with you guys, you know, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook? Uh, did you see the beginnings of a dialogue around around topics of, of particular types through social? Yeah, uh, social has become a very important channel. Uh, and, yeah, and, you know, you all know it. Uh, I think it's about how do you manage that conversation, uh, which is something that, that is important. Marketeers, that's another, you were talking about big changes. I think another big change is we have lost control of our brands. That's a scary comment. In the sense of, uh, you know, the conversation happens out there. Right. So it's less about what I think. And yeah. you know, as a marketeer, you know, we always, I think this, and I think that. It's more, less about what I, what I think. It's more about the data and understanding what people are saying out there about you. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. You know, tell me a little bit more about that. You know, it, you know what what's how is the role, for example, of the product marketer or the role of the brand manager changed when it comes to our you know the, the brand story, right? Because as you pointed out, like we don't really have any more direct control over that. How do you think that role is changing? Um, you have to be uh, you have to be the uh, the steward of the brand. You have to uh, right. define what you stand for, and it's more about right. you know. Before we used to talk about you know very specific characteristics, and they can still work. You can still need to you still need to define what is your personality. You need to, mm-hmm. But it's more what is more important today is defining your values. 
right. and defining what you stand for and, and actually what, what is your role in the life of your consumer. Right. Uh, and being very true to that. And, and, and usually what, what, you know, the conversation that I tend to have with my team is that we are the ones that have to be strict in maintaining those values and maintaining that direction. Right. Because if we're not doing it, everybody's going to do it. And, you know, there's yep. a, there's that famous story that if, you know, if you're on a boat going on from New York to Lisbon, but you divert by one degree, it feels little, but you end up in Morocco. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a bit of what happens to brands. You know, yeah. if we're not the yeah. ones maintaining that one degree inside, you're going to end up in Morocco with your brand. Yeah. Nothing That's, wrong that, with Morocco. Yeah. I love it. No, I mean, look, it's great for holiday, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a good place to be unless you didn't really want to be there, right? But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's an interesting point. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in our audience are, you know, early on in their careers in marketing, a lot of people in tech marketing, a lot of people in startups. Um, what, what do you think should be the role of marketers in terms of, you know, how early in a company's life should you really be focused on laying the foundations for what your brand stands for, your brand values, your mission, your vision, your brand attributes. Could you talk a little about about your experience there and what your thoughts are there? Coming from marketing, my answer obviously is going to be the sooner the better. Right. Um, you know, I think that you understand defining it. Having said that, I understand that, you know, when you're a startup, you know, and when you're defining your product, especially when it's determined by, you know, technology and, and things that you're learning about it. Yep. You may need to have some flexibility because you're a bit, a little bit you're throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. Right. So at that sure. point, you have to have kind of a, a flexibility to move right and move left. But you need to be on the lookout of what is actually, what is behind what sticks. Because is that inside what is going to allow you to grow. Yep. And that's the minute where you need to stick to that and be extremely disciplined behind it. And that's when you mm -hmm. say, you know, if I'm if I'm talking to, if this is about females, you have to be focused on females. You cannot just suddenly say, well, why don't you do this other thing? You know, if your brand is it's about this, you have to stick to what inside your brand is about. And it's not you right. decided it. It's, it's your consumers who actually decide it for you. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a constant concern here, right? Because, I mean, we build such cool technology, we build great products, and then it's kind of like the experience is almost like, you know, the, the product and the engineering team builds a product and then they throw it over the wall to marketing and it's like, hey, go figure this out. You know, go, go, go figure out how we're going to market this. Go figure out what, you know, uh, how we're going to sell this product, right? And that, that's sometimes, you know, a challenge for, for marketers. Yeah. Um, it was very, it was, it was very true because you just reminded me what, when when I when we started Wireless Idea, which is the startup that you talked about, uh, yep. we were selling. Um, it was a, we 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 were we had a platform where we in a simple way we were selling. It was at the beginning of text, and we were selling text horoscope uh, on your phone every day. Oh my God! Back in those days. <laughs> yeah, back in those days. So, but we were doing that type of product. So the yep. difference that we had and why we were successful is the other people who were doing this. We weren't the only ones. They were focused on the technology. And they were focused right. on, you know, how do I get the most efficient way to get text from A to B, and how do I get the horoscope to be more? We focus on the marketing. Right. And for example, we didn't we didn't sell the horoscope by saying, you know, um, to get your daily horoscope here. Yeah. 
we went to fears and desires. Right. Is he cheating on you? <laughs> the answer is in the stars. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, in this case, the answer is on your phone. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, where I'm going with this is that what gave us, a, you know, we, we, were, we were focused on technology too, but what gave us an edge was understanding the consumer and actually focusing it, giving it that, that, that difference. And right. that, that, that's where our group came from. Once we right. figured out where, the, you know, where we could hit it, we just went right there to the jubilee. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because it sounds intuitive, right? It's like focus on the consumer need, right? In this case, the consumer's need is, you know, to know whether his or, you know, his, his wife or her boyfriend or whatever is cheating, right? Or, or to know on, you know, is the weather forecast going to be good so I can take my boat out tomorrow and go fishing, right? But yeah, it's, exactly. it's so much the focus on kind of like connecting the product to the actual need and hopefully the need is deep enough, right? Definitely if somebody's cheating on you, the need is probably deep enough unless you don't care and you're fooling around already on, on your own, right? But it's, 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 it's great to kind of like make that association. Um, you know, switching, switching gears for a second, um, you know, we've all had our share of uh, not-so-good stories, as I call them, or, or kind of like learning experiences, right? And, you know, on Mad Mark Stories, you know, when I coach and work with, with marketers, I, I always tell people, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, succeed or learn, right? There, there is no fail because, of course, when you, when you fail, you, that's where you get so much of the learning. Can you share with us a little bit kind of like, you know, a marketing program or a product launch or some initiative that you launched and, and you know, went all out on that didn't necessarily kind of like pan out the way you would have wanted and, and what you learned from that story? Um. You were talking about us in Brazil when we worked together. <laughs> if you remember, we got stuck with uh, we ran we ran a promotion where uh, as part of the promotion we could win uh, what we was called a self liquidating prize, which was these big bottles in the shape of a Formula One car. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we did it. Actually, we did our research and we went through it. You know, we did everything we had to do, but um, you know, because of pressures on budget. We actually, you know, the idea was that if you if you bought a if you used um, if you had so many cups from our product instead of this costing you let's say five bucks you could get it for one dollar. Right. Um, based on pressure, uh, we actually priced it wrong. Uh, and then what happened is because we weren't getting the right volumes, it, it it started getting even worse because you know one decision led to another bad decision which led to another bad decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the learning there was that, A, it's okay to make mistakes. You know, you both and I, none of us got fired. Uh, we actually got promoted. <laughs> that was the strangest outcome of them all, but anyway. <laughs> um, but it, I think it's, smart companies recognize that it's okay to make mistakes. You need yeah. to make them quickly and learn quickly out of them. Yeah. Um, second, you need to make this, you need to cut your losses short quickly. Yeah. Um, and it's something people don't do. Uh, and, and I think that what has changed today, uh, when you were asking me about the changes before now and, and before, is that right now you have a lot more data. And you can yeah, identify sure. the data quicker. Yeah. So you have to be on top of that. And, and, and as a marketeer, I go back to one of the big learnings that I've had is many times I thought something, but the data proved me wrong. So yeah. now I'm very happy. Before I was kind of like pissed because it proved me wrong. Now I'm extremely happy when it proves me wrong. 
Yeah. But isn't that a challenge in and of itself sometimes? I mean, you do read stories of, you know, situations where the data and the research tells you one thing, and yet, you know, as, a, as an experienced CMO, your gut tells you something else, right? And, the, and then the, the tough thing is, you know, which way do you go? My opinion, what, what, what time has taught me, listen to the data. Right. Uh, it's okay to listen to your gut, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, the, the tough decisions, you know, I learned this from a boss. He said, Fernando, the easy decisions are easy to make. Yeah. You know, they're either black or white. It's right. the, the, the tough decisions are the ones that are 49 to 51, and they can go yeah. either way. Yeah. That's where your gut is important. So the point here is if the data, if your gut is telling go right, and the data is telling to go left, then you should go left because probably you're wrong. If the data yeah. is telling you go center but a little bit to the left, and your gut is telling you center, you should probably, you know, that's when your gut counts. counts. Yeah, yeah. Because there might be things with the data. So um, I, 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 that's what I think you need to, to keep in mind. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point to remember. Um, you know, one thing that's that's on the top of bite of every marketer these days is the noise, right? And 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 there's never been, arguably, there's never been a better time to be a marketer because you have so many tools and so many channels to reach consumers. On the other hand, the reality is kind of like I saw, you know, data point from the American Marketing Association that said, you know, that consumers are exposed to somewhere around the neighborhood of 10,000 brand impressions every single day, right? Which is monstrous if you think of just all the noise that you have to cut through. Um, Given all this noise, you know, how do you think that you can actually even cut through and have a conversation to tell that story with a customer? What, what are your thoughts there? I think that, you know, everything is about relevance. I mean, if you're relevant, you're going to be able to cut through. Right. Uh, and think about you as a person. I mean, you want to have conversations with people who are telling you things that are relevant to you. So in right. that sense, uh so in that sense, uh, you know, you have to, uh, to, to to look at how do you develop that relevance. Um, I think the ways to do it, one is, you know, it's your media targeting. So how are you able to find the people who are more open to your message? And here, right. uh, for example, what we tr- we're trying to get is into predictive analytics. Right. How can you how can you have use use big data and predictive analytics to give you those segments and those uh, those those you know, slices of, of, of targets where you are, you, your, your opportunity to be relevant is most. Right. I think the right. second one is what, you know, uh, uh, the we used to call connection moments. It's you have to have the conversation in the right context. Right. Uh, the best example is don't advertise your happy hour uh, drinks uh, on breakfast radio, you know, in yeah. the morning radio shows. Yeah. Because you know, people are not ready to see, hear about that. You know, people want to hear it in the context of going out. So advertising the radio, you know, when people are going out for happy hour. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's how do that's, we, that's how do we that. How do we apply that to everything we do in the terms yep. in the terms of you know the, the where you know how and it goes back to programmatic. How do you segment those uh, those, those campaigns in a way that that context is taken into account? Right. Um, and I think it's 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 also you know putting a lot of emphasis on your content and mm-hmm. your creative and making sure that it's highly engaging and right. don't stop until it's really engaging you know because otherwise people you know your bounce rates you see that that's where the bounce rate numbers really you know you yeah see them. yeah 
so really kind of like just to summarize a little bit what you just said there, I think, you know, a large part of it really is around the targeting. It's kind of like finding that right audience and, and, and making sure that there's a clear need for your product and then establishing kind of like what's the, what's the right message for that audience. And, and then, of course, there's the medium is the message, right? What's the, what's the context in which we, we reach that user? You know, is it, is it a mobile ad? Is it a billboard? You know, is it a TV ad? Is it a YouTube video? Uh, you know, et cetera. I mean, I think one, one of the things that's so interesting, like in Silicon Valley, for example, I was driving up, you know, uh, 101 up to the city today, and, you know, you see billboards, you know, for, for you know, the Apple iPhone, as you would expect, you know, which is fine, and then you randomly see billboards talking about, like, APIs and, and, and stuff like that, which is, like, I don't know who's running the marketing for those companies. I don't know if, like, as an engineer and, you know, I'm in my bus kind of going up and down 101 on the, on the way to Google and I'm zipping past, past the billboard if I'm going to have time to read all the, all, you know, all the reasons why I should be looking at a particular API uh, off the billboard on 101. But, you know, that for me is kind of like some of the things that I think marketers struggle with here is, is what you talked about. It's like it's context. It's like, you know, when do we serve that right message to the right audience and, and where do we serve it, right? Exactly, you're totally right. Because it, otherwise, it's a waste of money. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, because you're you're just you're just shouting some about something that people don't. Yeah. You know, otherwise, if I do it in the right context, I, I you know if I know that you know there's 20 million engineers you know who are interested in my app, you know maybe I put the billboard on the way out of that those offices. But yeah, you know that might make sense, but not in the middle of the highway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, note, notes to founders out there, you know, uh, if you're putting that billboard out on 101, you know, as kind of like a, a feel-good, self-aggrandizing marketing scheme, that's probably not a really great idea, and it's definitely not the best use of the, the, the VC funds uh, that you just kind of raised a couple months ago. So um, moving kind of to our, moving, <laughs> moving to our last question before we get to uh, my, my five quick tips. Um, you know, you, you talked about um, your role, obviously, now in healthcare, and you talked about the challenge of, you know, um, making kind of marketing more central to the organization in healthcare, right? And, and, and I can very much relate to that being a, a former tech marketer myself. I'd love to know, and maybe you can share with us, you know, one or two recommendations on how do you think, you know, marketers working in tech in the same way as marketers working in healthcare can go about getting more importance and, and, and shine more of a spotlight to the importance of marketing in their organizations? Um, I think that the way you do that is by inserting yourself more into the business discussion. Right. Uh, you, you, you have to be part of, 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 of what is important for the business. Uh, right. You know, the way I see it is as marketeers, our major, we do many things, but, you know, mainly our goal is to drive the revenue line. You know, and we yep. do it by engaging to consumers. So yep. you have to be engaged and be, be, be that representative. When that discussion on revenue is happening, you have to be there. I think right. that, that the way also to do it is take as much responsibility as you can. You know, okay. don't shy away from it, especially, you know, because sometimes it's hard. And, you know, there's things that nobody wants to do. If it has to do with marketing and it, it can further the agenda, take it on, even if it's not fully yours, especially right. if it revolves around planning. Planning right. determines what's going to get done. Right. So if marketers, I think one of one of the things marketers uh, we tend to be successful is because we do a lot of planning. 
Right. Uh, I'm spending a lot of hours thinking about those plans. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, that's the other thing. And the third thing I think would be to educate. Educate, educate, yep. educate. Take any opportunity you have to educate about marketing uh, to the people around you because the more they understand what you do, uh, and it's not just about you know doing ads and you know point of sale material. Uh, the more they're going to respect you, and and the more value you can add to them. That's super helpful, and I think you know the um, the audience is really going to appreciate that. Um, so it's now kind of time for our, our five kind of quick tip questions, um, and so we're going to just rifle through these. Uh, the idea is just five quick five quick questions, five super quick answers. And then we're going to wrap okay. up. Um, but this has been super interesting, man. And, you know, I've learned a, a, a ton and always enjoyed working with you. And I think, you know, this is, this is obviously gold for, for all, the, all the listeners out there. So um, first quick tip question. What's, what's been the most influential book that you have read recently? Recently, I read, I just read The Fourth Industrial Revolution by Klaus Schwab. Very okay. interesting book. I mean, it's not it, what is interesting is not the fact that you know we're going through the revolution. It's been you know how he thinks about the implications of everything that's happening in those fourth revolution. Okay, and what's the one marketing tool that you could simply not live without? My marketing tool I cannot live without. I think would be my final dashboards. Okay, what is the one trait every successful marketer should seek to improve? Um, I, I don't know if I'm talking about myself, but in general, I think <laughs> marketeers, we tend to be, it's not, we, we, we tend to be, to, it's all about our, us, you know, and it's about us understanding others, and we tend to get too uh, caught up into that, so I think it's about empathy. If, okay. if I can give people advice is that the more empathetic they can be with their customers and with the people around them in other functions, that's one of the things that is going to make them more effective. Awesome, awesome. Of course, I have to ask this question, and and I and maybe you have several, but what's what's your favorite brand? My favorite brand, I would say, is Nike. Nike, okay. And I'm talking I'm talking from a marketing perspective. I sure. think they do a great job of understanding their consumer, of segmenting them, of providing them products both online and offline. The digital tools they do, the way they look at the world. I think they're a fantastic marketing event. Awesome. Yeah, they, they, they definitely crush it on so many levels. And last but not least, and, and I changed this one around, <laughs> so you maybe don't anticipate this one. Um, you know, as a, as a CMO and as a senior, as the most senior person in marketing, um, who do you turn to for advice? Where, 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 where do you get help? The places where I get help is I usually talk to people that I trust. Um, uh, so, for example, mentors, you know, people I've worked with, uh, usually it, 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 it's people who have seen me struggle through, through problems and they know where, they know me how I am in, in those situations because they cannot only help me with the problem, but they help me with the thinking through the problem part of it. Too. Right. Uh, right. You know, and also I think going down to your team and asking for help. Sometimes because we're up here, we think that we need to solve the problem ourselves. Um, yep. I I tend to tell my problems to everyone. Um, yep. And you get you get the answers and you get the support and the help from the place you suspected. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It's always good to reach you know to to reach out and extend a 
a hand when you need it. And I think, you know, ma- many of us struggle that with that, and particularly the more experienced and, you know, the older we get, sometimes we get a little bit more set in our ways. Um, Fernando, this has been super awesome. Uh, I really want to thank you for your time. Um, it's been really entertaining. It's brought back a ton of memories. I think there's a lot of learning for everybody in the audience. So again, you know, uh, as, as your, as your friend, you know, as your former colleague and, and obviously as a, the chief storyteller here at, at Mad Mork Stories, thanks again. And, um, really was awesome to catch up and hope we, we stay in touch and connect more often. Um, so thanks, man. This has been awesome. It was a lot of fun. Nice talking to you. And so All right, take there, care. Please listen to Patrick. He knows what he's talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Please, please make sure that we sync up when you come to the Bay Area next time. And uh, this is Patrick Madmore from Madmore Stories signing off. Have a great weekend, everybody, and have a great weekend, Hernando. Thanks again. Bye. Take care.